0: Minding Our Business rolls along. I didn't even say that right. I put a G on the end. Let's do this like we know what we're doing. Minding Our Business episode, uh, Doc, I don't even know which one it is, do you?
1: Let's call it uh, seven. Sounds right. Yeah, it does.
0: Sounds right. Uh, a lot to get to, and it is so interesting this time of year, uh, the United States opened the wrap-up of uh, the NBA season, which actually ramps up the work of the offseason uh, into the already dog days of Major League Baseball, uh, Women's World Cup, there's so much to get to. But right off the top, we're going to the big money. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. First topic New Jersey knows what they're doing. A uh, story from Darren Ravel that caught our attention. Uh, their sports book operation has taken in $3 billion through the first 11 and a half months. This is 11 and a half months that's been an operation for them. Is that yes. what I'm saying, Doc? Uh, it'll go over $3 billion for the year, uh, easily, <laughs> which represents roughly 55% of what the state of Nevada, I believe that's where Las Vegas is, is that right?
1: Uh, I think it's still there. Still it hasn't there. moved.
0: Uh, they might move after they hear this <laughs> news. Man, oh man. New Jersey, by the way, allows a lot of mobile betting, is that correct?
1: Uh, yes, the vast uh, majority of that, I believe about 80% of their betting now is being done via mobile.
0: What does New Jersey know that we don't?
1: I was hoping you were going to tell me because the fact <laughs> that New Jersey in one year is doing over half of what Vegas does every year just astounds me. I mean, that is, that's incredible money flowing through that state right now.
0: The thing that is interesting to me is not that it's a state that has done this before. That helps a little bit with Atlantic City. Uh, but I think that, and, and this is going to change soon, But the fact that the nation's most populous city is right across the river helps a great deal uh, to allow to draw from a massive amount of people. You get the New York Metroplex, which is Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York, specifically Manhattan. You have a lot of eyeballs, so that helps, I think. Uh, The fact that they got their act together quickly helps a great deal. It
1: does help to go first. Get out of the
0: way. Get out of the way, everybody else. Florida, hello, and get your regulations straight, make your errors, fix them. It's like the states that have legalized marijuana in recreation mode. Everybody's wringing their hands about it, wants to walk in medicinal first and then figure it out, while Washington State and Oregon, and who else do I want to call out and shout out getting it straight already in Colorado, are just raking in the dollars.
1: Yeah, well, props to them. What they're doing is incredible basically what the american gaming association uh, let us know last week was it was a huge year uh over uh 2018 legalization uh a sports betting uh in the last year uh helped gaming revenue rise 3.5 percent from 2017. they hit record numbers across gaming this year almost uh 42 billion 41.68 billion uh i believe it was the fourth consecutive annual increase in the gaming industry and sports is propelling that it's driving that I was just reading last week Jacks, that you know we've hit a little bit of a plateau in terms of the states that are looking to legalize they haven't done that quite as quickly as some of the experts thought they would but certainly the ones that legalize can look to New Jersey in terms of you know what to do it's just incredible the numbers they're putting up
0: uh before we move on topics i want to once again uh, on behalf of all of us who like games of chance including sports that fit the bill florida what are you waiting for let's go let's get this done I, i'm not craving for it i don't you know I don't, I don't want people to think that that's where i'm going with this and i have a problem however when you think about the revenue like it's a no-brainer get it what Listen, there are always parties that see the other side or trying to figure out how they're going to cut the biggest piece of the pie. And I'm sure Native American casinos probably have some dynamic in this that I'm not seeing currently. But let's go.
1: Florida's just a natural state for (coughs) gaming. I mean, we already have casinos. It's a huge sports state. There's so many teams down here. Uh, so many major sporting events are held in Florida, especially in South Florida, where we are, um, home of Mind and Our Business podcast. But Florida is a natural fit. It is very similar to New York, it is very similar to California and states that, that just have so much going on in terms of sports and entertainment and things that you can gamble on. And, and just kind of going back to what sports can do to impact this industry, this is coming from CNBC. They said the expansion of sports gaming in the last year, uh, there's been nearly a 65% year over year increase in sports gaming to $430 million. Mm. um, And they expect a 175% increase going into the next year uh, as more states legalize and you know, we can't forget about the, the part of gambling that isn't legalized yet. There's $150 billion out there uh, still being bet illegally. And so I'm just surprised more states aren't chomping at the bit to legalize to get a piece of that $150 billion pie that's just sitting out there. So it's, it's time for Florida to go and, and some of these other states need to get on board.
0: Next headline. France, it's ladies month. I mean, it's like ladies night, but for the whole month. As we tape this, we're already a week into the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, the United States team has already flexed its full dominance by beating a team 100 to nothing.
1: That was a big and, flex. Oh my goodness. The biggest of flex, the historic flex.
0: Yeah, it was a 13 nothing legitimately, right? Was, yes, that the so score it
1: was 13 nothing.
0: Nine cities in the beautiful uh, country of France, 24 teams, 52 matches. Listen, this is massive. And Team USA is fantastic. And so we want to dig into some of the numbers that are interesting across the board. Will you first, Doc, tell the people how the money breaks down uh, as it pertains to prize money? I think that's always interesting.
1: Yeah, well, there's been a lot of talk in this first week of the World Cup about uh, pay in women's soccer. It's been an ongoing issue the last a couple of years with the women's uh, World Cup team, the, the U.S. national team. Uh, filing that lawsuit for more pay, for equal pay. And so FIFA announced right before the World Cup that they were doubling prize money for the women's tournament. And I think they were lauded for that. And it sounds wonderful when when you first hear that they're going to make 50% more in prize money. But when you dig into the numbers, Jax, you realize that when you take a very small percentage and double it, it's still next to nothing. So the Women's World Cup prize money used to be $15 million. FIFA announced they were doubling that to $30 million. But what they kept very hush-hushed is that they also increased the men's prize money from $400 million to $440 million. So essentially what they did is just, you know, take women make maybe 2% of FIFA's pie in terms of their prize money. They double it to 4%. And what does that mean? They're still putting 96% of all of the money that flows through FIFA into men's soccer and the men's World Cup. And at the end of the day, the winners of the women's World Cup are only going to walk away with. Four million dollars where the men walk away with 40 million and then the numbers just keep getting worse from there so this gender pay gap is going to continue to be I think one of the biggest stories of the tournament even more so than the USA you know waxing Thailand
0: so <laughs> yeah, I once was waxed in Thailand as an American by the way
1: that's a show yeah, for yeah. another time hello maybe uh, a different I uh, network I, it was
0: too easy it was low hanging fruit but kudos to Adidas Kudos to Visa. Here are some companies that are jumping in, trying to help. Uh, They're not anywhere near going to bridge the gap, but they're at least trying to extend opportunities uh, to World Cup teams uh, around the world, and then Visa specifically, I assume, uh, in America, we'll dig in that in a second, um, in in trying to support women's soccer. So I I at least want to note those two things are happening. There's a bonus structure in place uh, brought by Adidas for the teams that are under their umbrella. What, What was the story with Visa?
1: So Visa announced that they were going to make a substantial investment to women's soccer. What they're doing is they're partnering with the U.S. Soccer Federation. The amount of money that they are investing, um, they're not disclosing that, Jax. And I think we talked in our our last episode when we were breaking down kind of the money that Nike's putting into women's sport and, and Adidas. These companies aren't giving you a number. I think because that number is still kind of low now that we know that discrepancy or that gender pay gap between what women are getting paid and and men are getting paid so i think they don't want to put the number out there because then people will still say well it's not hundreds of millions of dollars and and they don't want to get poo-pooed for it so but visa said they're making a substantial five-year investment in a partnership with the u.s soccer federation the most important part of that Investment, as, as reported by uh, Forbes here, is they said the terms of the deal w- will ensure that at least 50% will go to women's soccer. And I think that's huge because like what we were just saying, Jax, typically the way things work in these sports where women's and men's soccer are both controlled at the top by FIFA, that anytime a big check comes in, we can assume that the vast majority of that goes to men's sport. So Visa's putting in a substantial five-year investment. They're earmarking 50% of it to women. And even though we don't know what that number is, I can tell you whatever investments have come in before, 50% didn't go to the women's side. So thanks to Visa, thanks to Nike, Adidas, and all the other teams that are investing in women's soccer because it's in the best place it's been in a very long time, and FIFA keeps touting that. But at some point, we've got to put the dollars behind all of those statements.
0: Visa also is going to be the presenting sponsor of the She Believes Cup, an annual four team international invitational tournament uh, here in the US. So it's something, at least the team staying in front of us annually, uh, some of the best teams in the world outside of the US as well. Uh, that's pretty cool to keep things right out front. Now, a, a, a relatively counter argument, and no one, no thinking person saying that you need to argue equality, but there is an economic dynamic here about popularity and butts in seats. Uh, viewership as it pertains to watching in the venue has grown over the years. There was a dip in the early 90s, obviously coming back to the United States uh, in 99 uh, was the largest stage as it pertains to uh, the World Cup finals attendance. And so that's kind of the pinnacle of everything for the whole tournament, the, the stadium, And Lyon will only be able to hold 60,000, so they're not gonna be able to reach that number that they had in in Pasadena. Uh, But it was crazy when you think about the ability to have almost 100,000 people in the United States, and it's just been going down and down. When you got to Germany in 2011, bigger facility, Canada, bigger facility. Hopefully there's an uptick and you can push the message that there is kind of this interest, particularly in the host locations, that continue to grow, so continue to add to the pot.
1: And even with that smaller stadium that you bring up and and only putting in 60,000-ish in that particular venue, it's still important to note that before the World Cup even started, FIFA was also touting the fact that ticket sales have been uh, sold in record numbers. So first it was 750,000 that was... Uh, the number was put out there before the tournament. It was nine hundred and fifty thousand approaching a, a million right before the tournament started and these are people turning out for soccer in spite of FIFA, because I don't, I don't know if you <laughs> paid attention to the, the ticketing debacle that happened with FIFA right before the World Cup. This is another thing that, you know, I, I realize that, that people can screw up in men's sport and women's sport, but when it continues to happen in women's sport, it, it makes you wonder, you know, when FIFA sells people tickets all around the world and right before the, before the World Cup says, oh, hey, by the way, here are your tickets, but none of them are, are seated next to each other. And then, you know, proceeds to tell everybody, oh, just show up at the gate in France and we'll figure it out when you get here. These are the type of things management wise. Then you add in the money factor. And from the top down, this is where women start to say, hey, we're competing at the highest level, but then we're kind of getting treated like an afterthought and the mismanagement of the, the ticketing situation. 4% 4% pay compared to 96% pay with the men and so it's hard enough for the women to succeed and then and then they have these type of issues but still FIFA's super excited because the the tickets are sold out the numbers are huge and I can't wait to see the ratings because I still think the ratings are going to be incredible everyone seems to be tuning in and it'll be nice to see the ratings numbers in support of those women as well
0: last area i want to highlight six different uh, brand sponsors for the 24 world cup teams nike nice job 14 they are dominating the situation when do we go from terminology uh from uniforms to kits when did that happen i've heard the terminology a few times now about the kit is is that like several different uniforms plus the shoes plus the socks
1: I no that's that's like a, you and I watch way too much basketball we gotta like get on board here we got to get our soccer terminology so the, the kit and the a, mm-hmm. pitch and the, all that it's always been there you and I just gotta we gotta get with it it's a uniform it's a uniform but it, it's a kit for, so, for the nice next job. for the next month it's Several a,
0: of the nations are receiving new kits for the tournament with a unique design just for the women's team and not necessarily just matching what the men's national team
1: is doing yes the apparel the apparel is incredible. Um, People are buying that as well. Nike's done a phenomenal job. And just props to all of the brands that are stepping up and supporting the World Cup because the numbers are there. Promote your brands through this. It's global. It's great. Just do it.
0: Next headline. (laughs) Off to the worst city in America. Oh, I hate Detroit, but I love this story. It really kind of caught my eye, Doc. When Forbes has their under-30 summit, they bring in all these... Fantastic speakers. The thing that blew my mind was uh, Serena's one of the headliners, not that she's one of them, but she's also, uh, there's another layer to this that caught my eye, which is what I kind of want to get to, not so much the summit, is that she's the first athlete to be named to the Forbes self-made women's list. And there's even more layer to this because she's one of the few women in that mix, not let alone athlete. So what's happening with the Serena brand, particularly when she's right in front of us, Uh, that takes her into this kind of distant space uh, away from any athletes, let alone tennis players or females.
1: Well, before we even get into her being one of America's richest self-made women, um, Serena's holding it down for the ladies on the richest athlete list period Mm -hmm. uh, that Forbes puts out every year. So that just came out in uh, June. And if you follow that out of the 100 richest athletes in the world the last several years there hasn't even been a woman on that list mainly because when Serena was out with her maternity leave if you will there were no other women making that kind of money to even be represented on the top 100 list but now you look at what she's making and she's worth now uh, we're seeing the number 225 million mercy and Serena makes an extraordinary amount of money on her brand. So, you know, she'll make three, four, five million, maybe on the court yeah. a year. But the other 25 or 30 million that she makes are in her sponsorships, are in her appearances and, and all of her brand building. And she's been tremendous at this. And now I think what she's doing, which is what we see the top athletes and entertainers doing now Is She had a very great quote, Jax, in that article where she said that she didn't want to be the face of the brand. She wanted to be the brand. Mm. And I think this is a similar
2: theme to what we see with Jay-Z. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership,
0: Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. ba ba
2: Just
1: sure. did being one of the, the first hip-hop or rap billionaire. Self-made also. So what these athletes and entertainers are doing now is saying, listen, I don't want to put my name on your crap. Like, I want to build my own brand. I want to build my own company. And I want to take my money... And I want to help others invest it into businesses that you know I think can succeed and not only is Serena doing that with Serena Ventures, this is going to be her next business and she's going to uh, she's already investing I think in uh, twenty four twenty five different projects right now, um, but she's really focused on helping other women and in particular minority women like herself. Uh, build their brand, build their businesses, make money. Because what we know is less than 3% of venture capital investments are made in women-run businesses. Mm -hmm. And she's really wanting to increase that. She's incredible. Everything she's doing is just wonderful, but it's nice to see her on this list so that everybody sees what she's doing now and and not just those of us in sports.
0: As you alluded to, and I think was the most uh, sexy thing for Forbes, Mm -hmm. is that her investments in these companies are women led, young women. And so you got these under 30s. They're going to find out how terrible Detroit is, but have this awesome time at this summit and, uh, and really hear from a complete game changer that's going to make them think differently, probably bigger, you know, as well, and uh, inspire everybody to do more. So that's going to be really cool check that out. Next headline from that dirty Detroit to the only other city in America I would move to from Miami, by the way, which is Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles, California. Don't let somebody call me with a big old bag of money.
1: Well, I'm glad you're showing some love to Los Angeles cuz we just lost all of our subscribers from Detroit. So, tune in <laughs> what, Los both Angeles, of them? we need you. The two
0: people that can afford it? Y'all, Are you kidding is, me?
1: There is so much hate Detroit. right now Get for Detroit. I love you, Detroit. You know what? <laughs> I don't care what Jack says about you. I love the Motor City.
0: Tell so. me something about this company I've never heard of that's about to put a whole bunch of money, 20 million over the next 20 years on the Rams' new facility. I know no, nothing about social finance.
1: Really? Nothing.
0: So teach me and everybody else.
1: So they've been in sports sponsorships for a while. They've, okay. they've done some things uh, sponsoring the playoffs and, and and other sports sponsorship types of uh, partnerships. But uh, they're just lowering the boom on this one because uh, social finance, which if you aren't familiar with them, like Jack's, which is fine, they're private lenders socializing in... Uh, specializing, excuse me, in refinancing student loans, um, but they are paying for at top dollar the naming rights for the new Inglewood, California stadium that's going to be home to NFL's Rams and Chargers. Run right now by Stan Kroenke, oh. and when I say they're paying top dollar, they're coming in at what's reportedly twenty million dollars a year over twenty years. And that number is speculated to be on the low end.
0: <laughs> well, the cool thing is, is that they're going to get the bang for their buck over the next ten years. Uh, not only is this the home of the Rams, uh, this this five point two billion dollar area. I don't even want to call it a stadium because there's going to be a whole lot more there. That opens in twenty twenty, right? Then you got the Super Bowl in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty three, the college football playoff title game will be there. How? How, how what level of cred do you have that your building's not done, right? But these events are going to be in your building, is it not? Like no one can touch it or feel it. They've just seen renderings. They're like, oh no, the Super Bowl, a uh, college football playoff, and then by the way, in twenty twenty eight, the opening ceremonies for the Olympics.
1: I was about to say yes. you you left off in yeah. in Cronkyville. They're also yeah. going to have the twenty twenty eight Olympic ridiculous. opening ceremony, but they're going to have incredible exposure. And and some experts are even saying that if it is $20 million a year Mm -hmm. for 20 years, that that's a steal. They're saying that the $30 million a year Mm -hmm. for the 20 years would actually be closer to uh, what that stadium should command Mm -hmm. in terms of the exposure and the value that it can bring. Uh, to SoFi for what I mean they have all the best events in the world coming uh, and when the stadium in a, row. In, a row. in a row and you've got and you've got to remember there's always this kind of honeymoon phase the first right. two three four years when the stadium's open that it's glitzy it's new it's packed the games the games are full and speaking of the games being full what we're seeing in a lot of these naming rights deals Jack's especially these newer ones is that they tend to be incentivized. So I think the reason why in this Forbes article, they're kind of giving us that 20 to $30 million range and they're not really nailing it down is because now these naming rights deals tend to be a certain amount up front. But then if the stadium is packed, if the teams have really high attendance numbers, if they're drawing in these big national or global events, the better the stadium performs, then the more SoFi will pay out if they meet those performance benchmarks or milestones. So it could be that they're, they're in it for $20 million a year no matter what, but it could go higher because if they're bringing in these types of events, then SoFi knows they're going to get bang for their buck and they're going to pay for it.
0: Let's go context so everybody knows what we're dealing with here. Currently, 26 NFL teams have naming right deals at an average value of $8, $8 million. So let's go to the high end of that, MetLife Stadium. That's where the Jets and Giants play. Uh, they're somewhere between 17 and $20 million they're getting from uh, MetLife. So this is soaring. If we get to $30 million, soaring beyond any other facility in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, and if you, if you think about the deals that are coming up this next year for renewal— Heinz uh, Field in Pittsburgh is going to be up for renewal 2021. Mercedes-Benz Superdome, the old one, not the not the new stadium in Atlanta, but the one in um, New Orleans. Those are coming up for renewal around 2021. And those are major naming rights deals. And Heinz Field is only $2.85 million, so around three uh, average per year for 20 years. And then five and a half, For 10 years for Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So you see in the span of 10 to 20 years prior that these naming rights deals have quadrupled or more. They've exploded. And so I think for all the reasons that you mentioned, Jax, because sports-specific stadiums are gone, those are a thing of the past. They are complexes, they're entertainment venues. So many people come through these beautiful facilities every year for major events that are national, if not global. And so now companies are having to pay way more because the exposure that they're getting is is far beyond just sports.
0: Before we go to the last headline, also known as the high five, if this is your first time hanging out mob style, minding our business, hashtag MOB, we pay homage to the Five Reason Sports Network by providing five hot topics every time we provide this podcast. And before we bring it, we actually high five. I mean, like, honestly, is there a better pot experience? NPR, Brainiacs, huh? You think you can do something like that?
1: No, and the natural sound always beats the sound effect.
0: It's a winner. Last up. Our good friends at Forbes really took the scalpel to my life's love, which is the game of baseball. Basketball has paid my bills. My interest in the game of golf is epic, but baseball is what I grew up with and I love the game. I love the game so much I'll never work a game. I never want to work baseball. That's how much I love baseball. I never wanted to become anything other than this passion, but I've recognized the regionality of the sport, the lack of stars, uh, the fact that it just does, it's not in the hemisphere with major league, uh, I should say NBA and NFL college football can kind of crowd into its space. It, it's What's happening is, is interesting. And so uh, our friends at Forbes, looking at the 10 biggest marketing problems, I just want you to kind of just breeze us through where baseball's blowing it. It's still probably doing really well regionally uh, as it pertains to television ratings, but what's happening to my love? Major League Baseball.
1: I know it's your passion, Jacks. I know it's your heart. And the funny thing is, you know, I tell my students the exact same thing. Yeah. I said, if you love it, then don't work in it because you're never going to watch a game and you don't <laughs> want that to, to ruin it, especially that. in baseball. If you want to watch baseball, yeah. you're not going to be watching any of it. So, uh, great, great piece by my friend Mari Brown at Forbes and and he really went in he really went in on baseball kind of hard no, here he and I it no. down
0: it was like an autopsy yeah it was yeah. it was no doubt
1: and he loves baseball more than anyone but he was just he was just uh, citing facts here but let's let's preface this with we're really talking about and, and you and I've chatted about this in a, in a couple of recent podcasts this is really. The decline in live attendance—that—that's mm-hmm. the issue here.
0: Butts and seats, yeah.
1: Butts and seats, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ra- ratings are doing great. People are watching baseball, but people aren't co- coming to the park as much anymore. And we're on a four-year decline here. And I think everybody's trying to get to the bottom of what's going to get people back to the ballpark. So TV is so, an
0: actual problem.
1: TV, I think, is one of the bigger problems. <laughs> I, yeah. I, and actually, number one on the list, uh, Mari talks about you know the the game's design and television that just. We've gotten used to really quick, exciting sports on TV, the NFL, the NBA that you alluded to. We just got done with a great, uh, Stanley Cup mm-hmm. it's it, it's quick and, and fast and so there's an issue with the game being slow and how it's translating on television and let me also just say this Jax I, I know in every single sport there will always be purists that don't want to change the sport I'm sure, sure there were people back in the day that didn't want a three-point line they didn't want a shot clock and they didn't want basketball to speed up and people chucking it from half court like Steph Curry and then here we are and it's exciting and, yeah. and the NBA's you know super exciting it's Great product, but there are gonna be purists who don't want any of these changes. But the bottom line is if people aren't showing up to the parks, that's that's an issue. He talks about lack of free agency moves and baseball just kind of being yeah. a little too slow to make really? these big moves. Machado, <laughs> Harper,
0: right. yawn. Like it was the biggest yawn.
1: Yeah, it was. it was waiting forever. Yeah. And those those four huge moves took forever, and that's what baseball should be chomping at the bit right. to have to have those moves happen, because that's what everybody wants to hear about. So he talks a little bit about uh, the MLB network and what they uh, need to That surprised to me a little
0: bit, because I, I find that they do – NFL network is uh, – and all due respect to my friends at NBA TV, <laughs> of course, but NFL network's outrageous. It's awesome. I, I think MLB's number two. I really do. You think? I do. I do. I love the way that they cut the games down, quick pitches. A great invention. I love the afternoon when we're bouncing around at the ballpark, having interviews uh, live with guys that are going to play that night. I really think they do a good job. I know his attention was kind of turned toward the hot stove version of it. Uh, And there's a lot of recorded television I know that's on. Yes. And probably a little more hot stove. They actually have a, a show called Hot Stove. I mean. They do sit around and talk about the things that could be coming down the avenue.
1: And I think that's what, that's what, that's what Mari was mentioning, kind of more, more of, of that, that and a little less of the history of the game. Because baseball just kind of needs to get away from their history and tradition and, and their being so slow. And, and not, not get rid of everything, but need to just move forward a little bit. I think one of the most interesting things he talks about was the unwritten rules of baseball (laughs) and how those are even starting to change with millennials and the way they play and the way people watch and the whole conversation recently about bat flips and, you know, just celebrations and these unwritten rules are kind of weighing baseball down and that if younger players, if they want to be outlandish if they want to celebrate Uh, that's what people want to watch it kind of it's very similar to uh, the touchdown celebration in the nfl and people going back and forth about that and kind of being stodgy about celebrations anything that makes the game exciting anything that maybe even makes it a little controversial or anything that builds up you know these rivalries between pitchers and catchers he's saying we need that
0: yeah now sharing success of your your teammates uh, as long as it's not you know pointing a finger at your opponent you can turn to your dugout, go wild, flip your bat. You know, if you're not flipping it out at the pitcher or, you know, flipping off the crowd, I have no problem with exuberance and joy in a sport you played when you were a kid. Like, come on, let's keep it moving.
1: Yeah, we just we need things that make the highlight real. Content is what, what drives what drives the bus. You yeah. know this, yours is your business. Yes, so ma'am. if it makes the highlight real, he's all for it. We we could go into the netting yeah. discussion. No,
0: it's listen, what is the what are you dragging your feet on? How many kids have got to get hit in the face? How many players have to be totally pulled without out of the focus of the game because they're feeling a certain way uh, about someone being injured at a high level? It's 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 absurd.
1: Yeah, and th- I don't think that's going to change anything about the the production of the game or the way it looks on TV. Or uh, there's just no there's no reason not to do that. Yeah. So that that's an issue. But I think one of the biggest. Things that he talks about here is just baseball needs to do a better job of promoting their star players. Mm-hmm. You know, getting those, uh, getting those players in front of the camera more often. Uh, he talks about obviously baseball is different than basketball or football in terms of seeing your star players. You only get to see them, you know, once every four or five starts if they're a pitcher. Right. You're only seeing them, um, you know, every whatever, six or seven at-bats, and so the way baseball is designed, yes, you're not going to get your star players involved in every single play like you have with a quarterback in football or like you have with, you know, LeBron in the the NBA, but because of that, when your stars are active, you've got to do a better job of getting them on the highlight reel. You've got to do a better job in the off-season of promoting those players, you know, he kind of talks about the, the old baseball rivalries and some of the the history there is gone by the wayside. You've got a whole new generation of players that may not even know about those things. Right. So it's time to start promoting, you know, your star players, and you know, speed up the game a little bit, and just let go of some of the history and tradition that's that's weighing you down.
0: I would give uh, a a minus to Commissioner Manfred for the work that he's done to work on pace. He gets a solid A and possibly an A-plus if he keeps pushing that envelope. There has to be tempo in this era or you're going to lose kids. That's just the way it's going. And and I understand that there's something about the strategy and stepping in and stepping out and holding the ball in the mouth. There's nothing more enjoyable than a game where there are two pitchers that get to work. Get the ball, pitch. Get the ball, pitch. I love a game like that. I know that there are guys that, listen, this is a, Billion-dollar business and millionaires are participating. And it's very serious. So the way that you go about your work is very specific to you. Uh, but make sure people are going to continue to watch you work. That's, yeah. the, that's the the compromise, right?
1: Baseball has a very similar problem that golf has, that your average age fan is in their 50s now. Your average age fan is not getting any younger. And both of those sports are slow. No one wants to sit there and watch, like you said, Uh, batters step in and out of the box for forever. No one wants to sit there and watch golfers waggle all day before they hit the ball. People, people want to see them pull the trigger and just pitch. And so I I don't know if you saw this on, uh, it was going around the internet just a few weeks ago, Jax, but where they superimposed the Kentucky Derby on top of
0: (laughs) between pitches
1: two baseball pitches, and you could run the entire Kentucky Derby in between pitch one and pitch two. And that that's the type of thing that at that's some point, at some point, yeah. uh, you have to do something about that. So... Yeah, baseball, baseball's got some work to do. If they want to get people in the park, they got to make it fast. They got to make it exciting. There's already plenty to do with the ballpark for, for families. But when it comes to the actual content, you got to showcase your stars. You got to tell compelling stories. And you got to put things on the highlight reel. And in order to do that, you got to let go a l- little bit of tradition.
0: Well, thank goodness episode seven was fun, but it's done. We're through. And you need a little vacation. So why don't you go away for a couple weeks? When you come what, back,
1: what are you trying to say? We'll do another one.
0: I just want to rest up. Okay, you're writing a book. You got students.
1: Hang out for a little while.
0: Yeah, enjoy yourself.
1: Okay, I'll see you after. I'll see you after Fourth of July.
0: How about that, America? Happy birthday. We'll be back for Dr. D's, I'm Jax. Remember to mind your business.